So there's a constant need. Un- unless this is cured, uh, you will always have a need that'll, that'll emerge. So our goal is to continue moving the needle, attract uh, more you know, smart minds to the space to, to make a difference. Both the Venus and lymphatic space is, um, is a great unmet need. And now, from San Francisco and the UCSF Rosenman Institute, the Health Technology Podcast with your host, Christine Winotto. Our guest today is Andy Doraswamy. His newest company, Koya Medical, is dedicated to addressing chronic lymphatic and venous diseases. Prior to Koya, Andy worked with a variety of healthcare organizations to revolutionize medical technology and patient care. Most notably, he invented sight-restoring intraocular implants, which were used successfully on over 6 million patients across the globe. He's an innovative CEO and surprisingly a skillful mountain climber. And today he talks me through some of the lessons he has learned through his long and remarkable career. Here's our conversation. Well, welcome, Andy. Thanks for joining me this morning. It's so great to have you. Thank you, Christine. It's uh, fun to be with you. Yeah. So I we've known each other for a few years now, and but I just also think that you have a great personal journey story. Can you share with us, with the listeners, about your personal journey that shaped and brought you to where you are today? Yeah, definitely, Christine. And but before I do that, uh, we wanted to quickly acknowledge, you know, you and I have become close friends and uh, you've done phenomenal work in highlighting uh, med tech entrepreneurs. So thank you for everything you do. Oh, you're so kind. Thanks. So, Christine, I know we, we talked about this in the past. Um, you know, my background started halfway across the world, uh, similar to yours, right? So born yeah. in in India and the southern part of India. Um, I'm uh, the middle child of uh, three. Uh, my sister, um, who's uh, older than me, is a, a hematologist and an oncologist. Uh, she's the smart one in the family. <laughs> we all have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> my younger brother makes me feel good because he's a banker. So, so I feel like <laughs> I'm doing something right. So I, I landed in innovation, as you know, um, really privileged to have the opportunity to do do what I do. Yeah. And so this is, Koya is not your first gig. So tell us more about um, your other activities before you started Koya. Yeah. I mean, if you jog it back to the to the early, early memories of childhood and uh, just what shaped me, um, always uh, enjoy tinkering with things, uh, really a builder of sorts, right? So back in the day, we had uh, VCRs and TVs, and I was very good at taking it apart. Um, but Are you good at putting it together, though? <laughs> <laughs> that's a different story, right? It's uh, really annoyed my parents. They'll buy a new TV, and next thing you know, the whole thing's uh, taken apart, right? <laughs> so very curious about how things work. Um, in fact, even to date, uh, that aspect of my life is still there. So I love enjoying building motorcycles. Um, there's always a few bolts left, <laughs> but some, sometimes it runs. Um, but my journey, I think, naturally gravitated towards uh, engineering, uh, pursued an engineering in India, then moved to the States, um, 
like most most of us do, to to really pursue education. This is still the greatest place on earth. And was fortunately pursuing engineering, a master's degree, and I realized I needed a break to introspect. And believe it or not, I sold everything I had, which wasn't much back then. <laughs> Bought a one-way ticket to uh, to Kathmandu and uh, trained as a mountaineer for about a few months, and then ended up becoming a mountaineering guide in, in the eastern side of Nepal, near Sikkim, in the northern part of India. So that was a transformative experience for me. I had plenty of time, uh, probably because of hypoxic uh, environment, but uh, it was very transformative. Um, came back with a very clear sense of what I wanted uh, to pursue. So it was uh, in healthcare. So with biomedical engineering, um, it was a PhD program at Georgia Tech, uh, cutting edge technology with lasers and how they interact with biomaterials, uh, 3D printing of tissues back in the day. It was quite quite advanced and mm-hmm. microneedles for, for engineering uh, for drug delivery. So I ended up pursuing that, uh, transferred to UNC with my professor who moved there, graduated out of there and had my first lucky break um, in, uh, in joining uh, an early stage opportunity in intraocular lenses in ophthalmology. So took that role. Um, you know, I think I've told you this before, it was a fantastic foundational experience for me. Uh, learning all the way from how to design, to test, to take it through the clinical side of things, get it through the regulatory side of things, and then commercially. So I was there for seven years in a, in a place called Golida in Santa Barbara, Great small team. It's a very much of a startup feel to it, a family feel to it. But most importantly, a tremendous learning environment, right? Where if you're receptive, you can really soak in the knowledge. So to me, that was uh, really my first real entry into medtech. And then from there, what happened to that company? Yeah, so that uh, that company, uh, formerly called Sergidev, uh, renamed as Advanced Vision Science, um, was... Uh, First of its kind to have a you know beautiful intraocular lens that goes through a 2.2 millimeter incision, so it's a foldable acrylic lens, a clear lens uh, where it, it, it continues to remain clear after implantation. So we got that label. So that was picked up by Santen Pharmaceuticals, a Japanese large pharma, and they left that division alone. And I was running the division in uh, in Santa Barbara. Great experience. We were manufacturing lenses. Uh, Bosch and Long was also interested. So we did a deal with them to license the product for U.S. and certain other markets. So it's currently one of the flagship lenses for BNL. It's uh, sold as Envista. I believe nearly 6 million people worldwide have been treated with it. So it's uh, quite gratifying to to hear that. I think that's very always very rewarding when you hear how your work has made so much impact that so many people. And so what brought you to come to the Bay Area then? Yeah, Bay Area was quite frankly a leap of faith. Um, so one of my colleagues is, was working uh, with a newly em- emerging company out of Stanford Biodesign called Oculeve. And uh, so I talked to some of the investors. So NEA, Kleiner Perkins, and Versant were in it. And so it had some heavyweights uh, on the board and um, it was an opportunity to really look at a new way of treating dry eye disease, um, you know, large unmet need in eye care. Um, and 
So I took the leap of faith, joined them as their COO, and uh, we built a small team, but more importantly, a tremendous innovation using neurostimulation to treat dry eye disease. Uh, fortunately, we were able to treat a lot of patients. We got it through the FDA as a de novo for clearance, and uh, Allegan uh, bought that one and uh, and stayed on stayed, stayed on with them for about a year. So you were in the eye business for a while, and then and then when you have that success with Oculus, and you start poking around in different part of the body. Yeah, I actually uh, did. <laughs> I think eye is unique, right? I think uh, we perceive the world through our sight. It is a it's a great sense we take for granted, right? Unless you've lost it or you're losing it, you don't necessarily appreciate what you have. So, quite fortunate to have worked in ophthalmology. It's uh, such a gratifying field where innovation is rewarded, and it's also you can literally touch people's life. So I, I wanted to take a step back, and uh, I was actually on the board of a few companies uh, trying to help other entrepreneurs like yourself to take the learnings and impart that to help them. So, you know, pain companies, a few eye care ventures, et cetera. Uh, right around that time, my dad uh, turned, I think, 76 back then, and uh, this was 2018, and retired from his work, right? So he... Uh, was in, is in railways. He's a civil engineer by training. Um, like the older generation, I think, worked his life um, to give a sh- kids a better shot of life, right? I'm sure you're familiar with that, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that part of the culture. So unfortunately, he was diagnosed within a week after retirement uh, with prostatic cancer. And so we were scrambling to figure out what to do. And we, he got the whole gamut, right? Chemo, radiation, and surgery. And long behold, the cancer is gone, but uh, his uh, he he was presented with lymphedema, which uh, was there to stay. So that gave me. Um, I started digging further. I talked to all the experts in the world and really understood the disease as a tremendous unmet need for cancer survivors and and others in the venous space. So so I wanted to do something about it. Uh, so I jumped back in to the operating role, and and then uh, Koya came came to life. So. And this is probably a good segue then for us to tell uh, what is Koya product technology. And you mentioned a little bit about like addressing lymphedema, but can you tell us more about Koya? Yeah, so we're we're based in uh, Oakland. We're a small team um, um, and a handful of us that care deeply about uh, innovation and healthcare. Uh, Koya's uh, primary mission is to transform lymphatic and venous care. We care deeply about the patient's point of view. So uh, if you could just sort of walk with me here in understanding how the patient's life would be, uh, the patient's just being diagnosed with cancer, and then suddenly your, your horror mortality is right in front of you, and you go through the emotional aspect of that to understand, okay, what's next? Finally, you go through all the options available, and that's resolved. But now imagine you've been told you're, you have a new condition that's chronic and there is no cure for it, right? Imagine what goes through you, right? It's like it, uh, several patients that we've talked to have mentioned that this is more bearing because of the chronic nature of it than cancer was. So what essentially happens with um, lymphedema is, as the word describes, it's edema 
from the lymph itself. Lymph is essentially the waste the body generates, cellular waste, excess water, denatured proteins, all of this has to be cleared. So the, the, the body's evolved, the human body's evolved in, uh, in a beautiful way to clear this naturally through movement, through the muscle pumps that are there. Uh, unlike the arterial and venous system, there is no heart pumping this. So it moves much slowly through lymphatic channels or capillaries, and it gets pushed out. So when it's impaired, in case of cancer treatment, when the nodes are removed, um, you, you're basically left with a poor system to clear it, right? So it becomes a, a chronic issue, which if left untreated, can result to you know, cellulitis, ulceration, because it's you know, full of uh, fluid, which is uh, prone for infection if left untreated. So that eventually, if you leave it still untreated, I think it can lead to amputation in worst cases. It's really a terrible condition that is very overbearing, both obviously physiologically, but also psychologically. Right? You never know when this is going to get worse. So a great unmet need. We uh, at Koya, we're looking at providing solutions to patients, right? While, while we're not uh, inventing a cure just yet, our goal is to take the friction out of their life and continue to enable them to live instead of being burdened by the chronic disease. So we're developing and we have developed uh, several technologies. One of them is a wearable device that provides sequential compression to push the fluid out. So you can essentially wear this, be on the go, uh, Christine, when we hear about wearables, you typically hear about Apple Watch or some one of these things. And, and sure, those are great because it tells you how many steps you've taken, and what your heartbeat is, all that. But when you think about treatment, that's really where it's at, right? I think you're dealing with the body's own condition and to treat the underlying disease. So we're proud to have developed that. It's a, it's a first for us. We come from a world of implants and traditional med tech. But this is intersecting with some of the consumer world. So tell us a bit more about what, you know, before Koya's product is available, what was the option available for the patient who has this, this uh, condition? Yeah, so you know, cancer survivorship uh, is, is a big unmet need in terms of the things they go through. And so is venous disease, right? Those are two areas we feel... Um, patients have been living silently with it. So if you think of uh, diabetic ulcers and anything to do with chronic venous insufficiency, same thing. It's a very home-based burden where they're not hospitalized yet for it, but it's one thing you live with. And the intervention only happens when things get worse, as with most things in healthcare, right? So in, in this case, uh, the current option is there are outpatient rehabs for both oncology and venous centers, where patients are assigned to a physical therapist. And they are the center of this. They are the most important caregiver for this, right? They're amazing people. There are 10,000 of them in the U.S. alone and a similar proportion worldwide. They're assigned to them and they provide what they can. Uh, their wait list is very long to see these patients and they take care of all of the needs, whether it's bandaging, compression garments with elastic support. Uh, there are also these uh, pneumatic compression pumps that they get prescribed, which is like a ventilator or, or essentially an air compressor that generates air and is plugged in. So our goal was, you know, wow, this, is, this seems like a very burdensome disease to go see someone on a regular basis. 
and also have a pretty archaic solution set at home where compliance adherence is very low, especially for chronic disease. It's, it's all about adherence to therapy, isn't it? So we said, what if we can start moving the needle by cutting the cord for some of these options and allowing the patient to be mobile? And that's the starting point. Then what if we can get more intelligent about data, how patients engage with this, also some sensing involved in what's happening underneath the of the tissue? So those are the things that we're performing now. And I think also providing quality of life that, I mean, I've heard patients who is stuck with the machine, they can't travel because they have to do this procedures um, re- regularly. And it's a pain to be connected with the device, which is a large piece. And having Koya allow them to be mobile. Yeah, no, well said, right? I think uh, it's interesting you said quality of life. Uh, I've often uh, had uh, folks in the past that have said, oh, it's just quality of life. You know, that's not that important. But if you really <laughs> dive deeper, all you have is quality of life. Quality of, right. Right. No matter who you are, uh, quality of life is number one. What else is there, right? So... So absolutely, it adds up. I mean, I'll give you an anecdote here, right? So one of our um, patients, let's let's call her Jane, um, for HIPAA HIPAA reasons, <laughs> but um, you know, she once told us that there's a lot of life packed in an hour, right? Because the treatment is one hour a day, for example, right? And you have to deal with this for this chronic condition for the rest of your life. It becomes a thing in your life, right? Family is visiting. You've got to travel. Um, Think about it from that perspective, right? It becomes very burdensome. And so if we can alleviate that and in terms of innovation and as innovators, uh, our, our role is to start thinking about what would the patient need, right? That's where it begins. This podcast is sponsored by Brown Rutnick's Global Life Sciences Group, a team of legal professionals that help life science companies lenders, and investors around the world turn good science into good business. Learn more at brownrudnick.com. This podcast is also sponsored by Canon Quality Group. Canon Quality Group has been helping med tech startups set up quality management systems for over 10 years. If you're unsure when to get started with quality management in your startup, turn to the experts at canonqualitygroup.com. So, Koya, recently have a lot of achieving a lot of the milestones. You guys get the FDA approved. And so tell us more if, you know, patients uh, or somebody who knows somebody with this condition, how to get Koya's product. Yeah, it's a prescription product. So definitely if uh, someone's listening uh, who's interested, talk to your therapist, uh, send us an email. at uh, We're at koyamedical.com. You can call us too if you want to learn more about it. Uh, we do have uh, a few FDA clearances. The team's been very busy, um, and they have uh, a clearance for the upper extremity for breast oncology uh, or breast cancer survivors, as well as uh, lower extremity for both cancer and uh, venous, chronic venous issues. So we've got that, and we've got a few more uh, ideas uh, that are in the pipeline that we're working on. We also completed uh, several clinical studies. The most recent was a randomized control study uh, head-to-head against some of the standard of care options. And 
We just presented it at some of the conferences. Um, it's, it's looking very promising. And the complete analysis will be done in the next few months and publication will follow. And, and beyond that, uh, we're just starting to commercialize very early days. And we're still a small team, uh, but we can learn a ton from beyond the product. How do we ensure patients are able to get this as seamlessly as possible? Right. When you order something on Amazon, you want that on your doorsteps the next day. Right. On the same day sometimes. Same, same day sometimes, right? <laughs> so how do you how do you do that with healthcare, right? It's uh, the mindset is they they should be getting the best option, not just from a product standpoint, but also from a delivery and customer service standpoint. We need to we need to evolve that, I think. Traditionally MedTech has been uh, more through the caregiver's path. But it's obviously, we all know it's shifting more and more to patients. So we're focused on that too, to build that process. That's a lot of uh, moving pieces that keeps you really busy. <laughs> yeah, and the, and the brain fresh, I think, yeah. Yeah. I know, you know, from our past conversation, you're also pretty active on the not-for-profit board. You, you're you pretty involved in, uh, tell us more about the division uh, the I care not for profit that you are involved with. Yeah, so you know, I think I, I care is very dear to me. Uh, I'll probably be involved in some fashion or another uh, for the rest of my life, and, and I care because that's where I it was my foundational piece. In fact, it, one one anecdote I forgot is that when I was climbing mountains, which I still do today. Um, when I was done with one of the first mountains in uh, in Nepal, uh, there was a cataract camp which is basically that there are two phenomenal human beings, uh, Jeff Taven and Sandy Gruet from the Himalayan Cataract Project. Um, and their mission in life was to cure blindness. I was exposed to some of that very early in my life, uh, which was transformative. So essentially it's uh, providing free eye surgeries for cataract, those would otherwise go blind. With a simple intraocular lens, the surgery takes about two and a half minutes and you can, you can give them sight back. Right, it's transformative. Uh, they break into a song and dance. I've got some videos of that too. Uh, it's just pretty amazing. It's very moving, right? It makes it worthwhile. It's interesting because you met them and then you went back to the US and your work on the eye care. So is it coincident or is it something that you feel like because you, ha you have met that team, it kind of make you feel like this is an area that you are interested in? I would I would love to flatter myself and it was all planned, but uh, quite frankly, I think it was all coincidence. <laughs> uh, I think you need a few lucky breaks in, in everyone's life. And I had mine through this, right? And this was a building company too. So mm -hmm. definitely chance. Yeah, well, you never know. Sometimes it's, uh, I think the best in life is something that you least expect it, I think. True. So, so besides Koya, um, I mean, there's a lot of going uh, things going on. You mentioned that you you guys recently have a space in Oakland, as a big space, um, and you're working on a new, the next generation. Can you tell us more about what your vision for Koya? Yeah, so the Koya's um, ultimate uh, ultimately is it's an innovative team and. The patient's need will will continue to evolve 
as you get used to the solutions that are provided, if, if that makes sense. The baseline shifts, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a constant need. Un- unless this is cured, uh, you will always have a need that'll, that'll emerge. So our goal is to continue moving the needle, attract uh, more you know, smart minds to the space to, to make a difference. Both uh, Venus and lymphatic space is, um, is a great unmet need. There are 20 million people, Christine, that are currently living with us in the U.S., U.S. alone, right? And then about 1.4 million is added to that every year. That's the incidence. So the work is far from done. It hasn't even begun yet, right? So I think it's a highly underpenetrated and underserved ecosystem where we can do a lot. And the team, as I said, is uh, so innovative. I think we will continue to look at any way to take friction out of both the patient's life and the caregiver's life. And hence, as a function of those, uh, we will be able to solve other stakeholders like payers and investors and um, ultimately, the team would be rewarded by that, right? This is how, how we see this. Uh, as far as, uh, you know, you talked about space, uh, no pun intended, but uh, we actually sponsored a space event uh, just a few weeks ago uh, to talk about health in space, uh, literally out of this world, right? Um, when we think of <laughs> all these billionaires want to go to space, well, the majority of the population wants them to go to space and never come back. But <laughs> there's a rate-limiting step, which is your health. Um, edema, venous, uh, and lymphatic health is very important. Red gravity is a, is a good thing. We, we evolve, evolved as human species, <laughs> mainly due to gravity. So unless you solve lymphatic and venous health, uh, quite frankly, you're not going anywhere, right? Forget Mars. Uh, you're not going anywhere. Um, so it's very important, and I think we're uh, bringing in a lot of the thought leaders, both in Venus and lymphatic, to talk about this, to create the awareness. And we feel more interest in that would ultimately help folks back on Earth in innovating and mm-hmm. have a more fundamental understanding of what's happening with the body. So are you saying, I mean, this your Koya product can be very helpful for the astronauts who are up in the space? Yes, uh, as you know, the product itself is made of uh, advanced materials, shape memory alloys, right? Nickel titanium, which is weaved into the clothing. So the way it works is uh, through the simple touch of your button, you can apply sequential pressure. The garment or the wearable shrinks and applies the pressure on demand. It looks like an Iron Man suit, but in all seriousness, uh, uh, why not make a space suit, right? The technology lends itself to to that in the future. So definitely I think that of, of great interest, but our main focus and mission is healthcare first. And eventually I think we'll, would love to work with NASA. Well, that sounds really cool and exciting. That would uh, bring it to the next level. Um, I know we are short on time, but I want to make sure that I get some uh, n- uh, piece of advice from you. Um, you've done this multiple times and you make great traction with Koya, uh, what are the three lessons learned that you keep always remembering as you built Koya that you can share with us and the listeners? Great question. Uh, it, with, with some thought on, into this, um, I mean, obviously there are more than three lessons, but... Um, but I think if you were to distill it, I would say it starts with uh, 
with people, in my opinion, who you surround yourself with and who you have on your team, um, whether it's uh, the operating team, the investors, uh, advisors, you, you really want folks that are sincere and offer sincere counsel to build. Obviously, they need to be talented, but they also need to be sincere in their outlook and their effort and their mission to treat. Um, now, obviously, easier said than done. Everybody wants that. But the question is, how do you um, how do you find that? Right. So I think it's nurturing that culture, nurturing that, and, and finding the right people to work together. I think it's probably number one. Um, you know, number number two. I think it's uh, as we talked about earlier. It's uh, very important to to have the patient at the center of this. And again, easier said than done. Everybody knows this. But what does that mean, right? It means that don't fall in love with your technology too much. Even though it's it's a cool technology, that's great. But it'll also blindside you from what's next. And, you know, you, you think your baby is cute. And if someone <laughs> says it's ugly, then you're not you're mad. <laughs> <laughs> right? You think something's wrong with them. So I think it's important to be looking at it from a patient's perspective, what if you had the condition? How would you engage with it? Very difficult to do, but once again, I think um, you need to to be aware of that. The the third aspect, um, I would say in building a company and or a team and growing it um, is is continuous learning. To have the, you know, no matter how seasoned of an entrepreneur or, or, or an investor you are, the the humbling aspect of this is every problem you're solving and every stage, every team, every company is unique. Uh, You've seen this, you're an investor, Christine. Um, The recipe evolves uh, as a function of time and as a function of uh, what you're doing, right? So it's it's very important to have that mindset, I think, again, humbly speaking, uh, to have the outlook of continuous learning. Uh, It can be very enriching if you do that. It won't be a frustrating experience as you see obstacles. Uh, it'll be one that you're really bold and in, in going after. My last question. I know that was my last question. I have one more last question. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. How do you develop that mindset, the curiosity, the continuous learning? That is something that I think everybody needs to have, but not everybody has that. Well, it's tough to come up with a general recipe, right? Because what works for me may not work for you or others. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, what what happened, quite frankly, and this is uh, this is going to sound strange, but you know, going out and climbing a mountain where you're incredibly uncomfortable, right? Your body hurts, your knee hurts, your brain hurts, and then it's cold uh, outside. Like it's incredibly cold outside the tent. Even inside the tent, it's cold. Inside the sleeping bag, you can't sleep. Uh, you don't have any appetite to eat. And yet you've got, you know, several more climbs ahead of you. How do you do it, right? So you're incredibly uncomfortable. Sometimes you're wondering, what am I doing here, right? I should be grabbing a burger and, and getting a beer right now. <laughs> the comfort of, uh, of life, I think, is what you crave. But deep inside, you know, from discomfort is where growth comes from, right? So you're almost intentionally putting yourself in discomfort to know what you're capable of. Uh, so for me, that's what it does, which is why I, I still climb. It's a humbling experience to know things we take for granted, uh, even running water or a chair to sit on, for example, right? Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a very humbling experience. So everybody's case is different. Maybe some d- derive that from music, running, uh, whatever you do, I think you need 
to figure out figure it out for yourself. No, you're very well said. I mean, I totally can resonate. Uh, it resonate with me very well. Not the climbing part. Like you know, I don't think I can ever climb that big mountain. <laughs> never, never say never. Um, I'll take you but, with me. How about that? <laughs> yeah? I think that would be good. <laughs> that would test your patience. <laughs> Done. Deal. Let's do this. Uh, but it's so funny, like you're saying, like we all want to have a comfortable life, but what make us grow and have a fulfilling life when you have gone through and overcome challenges and yet we don't want that. So it's kind of funny that that's a good way to come up with a way to get challenges in a control environment in a way. Without a doubt. I mean, you and I have, and many others have seen what life is outside the States, right? We grew up in parts of the world where people don't even have an opportunity to, to edu be educated or to have any real shot at life. So I think it, this is a, a good way of, you know, having having the humility to understand you what you have is a privilege. And so don't waste it. Yep. Yep. So, well, thank you so much. It's been great to have you finally on our podcast. Thank you, Christine. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Health Technology Podcast. We want to thank our executive producer, Herminio Neto, and our podcast engineer, Andrew Rojek. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. The Health Technology Podcast is available on all major platforms.